It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz coming to you on the 12th of February from a gorgeous San Francisco morning. We'll look at what the Jazz need to do to improve in the final stretch of the year. A matchup with the Warriors and how are they since DeMarcus Cousins has come in a time machine Tuesday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, a lot of geeky numbers. And when you get in your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. So just get in the car. Say your activation word, whatever your keyword is, and pod tell it to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is probably a show I should do tomorrow or the next day, but it was what was on my mind is what does it take for the Jazz to get better? Uh, we also are probably at the point where it's worth taking a quick moment in each show of kind of like what happened last night in the playoff push. Uh, last night, Houston beat Dallas 120-104. Minnesota beat the Clippers, giving the Jazz a little more window to make sure they're in. Oklahoma City beat Portland 120 to 111. It's a big story going on there. Russ shot a little bit more last night, 19 shot attempts, but Russ has been shooting less and they've been getting better. Portland just had tough back-to-back losses. Tough back-to-back. Dallas they let one slip away and then Oklahoma City. Rodney's actually been shooting the ball pretty well for them. And then uh, Denver beat Miami. As I said yesterday, my feeling right now is I just, you, I don't think we can catch Denver or Oklahoma City. When you're, when you're talking five games in the loss column, six games in the loss column between now and the end of the season, that's a tremendous amount having played 56 games. Uh, so our goal at this point, I think the best we can get is four. Last night's events then are good for us because Portland lost. Houston did win, um, and then we also want to make sure we stay in the playoff picture. Sacramento is a playoff team as of right now by percentage points. Uh, so we're two games up on that, and we're a game out of the fourth spot in the Western Conference. Okay, so how do we get better down the stretch? Roster's set. I think there are three or four ways we can get better. The predominant one we can do is get better off of opponents' misses. We are currently 29th in the NBA after, according to Cleaning the Glass, on transition after a miss. Ron Boone talks about it all the time on the broadcast, run to score. We don't really run to score very well. Uh, we don't really have the personnel, frankly, to run to score. Like, who on our team is really a runner? Joe's not. Jay's not. Derek's not. Rudy's pretty good, but usually at the rim defensively. Donovan's 
a great athlete. He's not a great runner. And some of his numbers in transition are not elite. Rubio's not a runner. We don't have that backup point guard that's really a runner unless it's Dante. And that's where I think there is a little bit of a possibility of a little bounce here. Uh, Maybe Dante returns, and that increases our ability to run to score. I hate putting too much on Dante. The guy had five good games, and we got so excited. Uh, But that is, we're not great in transition. And we're particularly not very good off of the opponent misses. So if that's a statistical area where we are probably less, we don't have a team, we're not a particularly high athlete team. Uh, We're not a team that's gambling a huge amount defensively to try to create opportunities. Uh, We currently rank 14th in the league in forcing turnovers, which is fine. You don't, you know, we're second, but I'd rather have us be a great defensive rebounding team than being out of position. Um, and we're, I'm really almost talking off misses. So we get that miss. Can, can we push a little, can Ricky push it correctly? Can Donovan push it a little bit? Can Dante push it a little bit? Um, that would be an area. The jazz have started to use the shot clock in a more efficient manner than they have in the past. According to kind of what everyone says, I'm not a big pace of play guy. But there's no question that getting stuck in the bottom four seconds of the shot clock with regularity in the past years has made it hard on our on our team. Like, I don't think, like, there, there are reasons for it. We don't have good one-on-one players. We're running a system. We're trying to break people down. Um, and that's why Quinn has really focused so much on thrust, which is playing earlier in the shot clock. Uh, and getting into things earlier so that you're not stuck in the final four seconds. We're not, you know, this all matches up. Between 18 and 22 on the shot clock, we are the eighth team in the league in frequency, eighth least, and we're the fourth worst shooting team between 18 and 22. That's that's the window where it'd be nice if we can improve. Between 15 and 18 on the shot clock, we're middle of the pack, a little above. Between 7 and 15, when Quinn's offense kicks in, we're great. We're the sixth best shooting team in the league. Warriors are the best. And between 4 and 7 on the shot clock, we're the third best shooting team in the league. Once you get into that late clock, we're middle of the pack. Here's what I think is really interesting about middle of the pack, a middle late clock. Is this year we're using 8% of our possessions late clock. Last year, we used the sixth most of anyone in the league at 95 And the year before that, we used the most in the league at 12.7. So there's been a huge, uh, and the league as a whole, the transformation's incredible. According to NBA stats, which seems like it's wrong, teams were at 22, 19, 18, 17% in the final four seconds of the shot clock in the 15, 16 season. And now the highest is Memphis at 13 and Detroit at 13. So there's been a movement away from that, but we have been on the high end of that this year now, zero to four on the shot clock. We're we're taking using those, you know, we've dropped a decent amount of those. So that's good. We're using the shot clock better now. We just have to be better at it. Um, I do think the defense can get a little bit better. I don't feel like we're defending great against. I've said this concern a million times. 
which is that the offenses are so great right now that even if you're having a great defensive game, you know, you're it's it doesn't look great comparatively. I mean, the Warriors tonight have an offensive rating of a 116.1. Our defense this year, which I do think could be a little bit better, is three points, three and a half points better than the average offense in the league. I'd li- I think we could be four or five. Like, I think that's, we've got, that's, we got to take a jump. We got to get to about 104.0 in the final part of the season. We're at 105.3 for the season. We've been closer to that. Like, if you take our last 15 games, which have been a little bit of a mixed bag, frankly, we're at 104.9 and we're the third best in the league. And I still think we could, you know, Milwaukee's just incredible right now. We could be better than that. But let's say, let's take the last 15 games where we've been good. Again, we're still holding teams to three or four or five points better than the league average. Well, you hold the Warriors to three or four or five points above the league average, below the league average tonight, so we hold the Warriors down. Like, that's us having a good night. They'd still be the eighth best offensive team in the league. And this is my concern. When we play the Rockets in Denver and some of these really good offensive teams... When we hold them four or five points below their league average, their offenses have become so good that you're holding them to 110, 108, 107, 106. Like, our offensive average is 108. So that's why I think the how does the offense get better is the question. But I do think we can get defensively better. I've got one more on lineups I want to touch on, um, and then we'll – We'll touch in on what's going on uh, with the Warriors since DeMarcus Cousins, and then we will do our Time Machine Tuesday. It is February. It is Valentine's Day. Hyundai always has a lot of fun with it. It's the time to love your vehicle from Murdoch Hyundai. The 2019 Elantra is only $13,990. The North American Utility Vehicle of the Year, I've been telling you about the whole time, and now it's been given awards. The North American Utility Vehicle of the Year is the Hyundai Kona, the little SUV, zippy, fast, fun, for only $299 a month. And anytime you're dealing with Hyundai, you're getting America's Best Warranty, a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain, and Hyundai Assurance. As always, it's the no-regret Murdoch experience with Tyson down in Linden and the crew, Jason and all the crew up in Murray. Uh, You've got to come see the guys. 4646 South State Street in Murray. Down in Linden as well. Uh, stop by and, and see what they can do. Check out that Kona. two fifty nine a month for the Hyundai Kona, which is a fun, zippy, single kind of person SUV similar to Subaru Crosstrack. I've absolutely loved it uh, when I drove it. Ab- super amount of fun. That is at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. 
But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, lineup-wise, I don't know exactly what Quinn could do. We've seen him now play with Royce O'Neal, but there's some interesting things to our lineup. So our starting lineup really just has a hard time scoring. It's in the 15th percentile of all offensive lineups. And if you look, we have, at this point of the season, according to Cleaning the Glass site, we have eight, eight lineups that have played 100 possessions. Three of them are good offensively. Five of them are not. So the three that are good offensively are the lineup we use the most, Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Crowder, Gobert. This lineup is great. 78th percentile overall, 119 points per hundred possession offensively, 105 defensively, plus 14. It's terrific. Does, goes to the line a lot. Fouls a little bit too much. Does a lot of things really well. The next one that's really good is Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, Jay Crowder, Rudy Gobert. Offense is incredible. Defense is incredible. It's one of the best lineups in the NBA right now for 119 possessions. Donovan, Royce, Joe, Crowder, Gobert. We have a our, our third lineup that's that's good offensively is Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Crowder, Favors. So it's the same thing as our main lineup, but it's Favors instead of Gobert. It's plus 25. It's offense is a 127 in the 91st percentile. It's great at everything. It does an offensive rebound very well. Okay, fine. So those are the three lineups that are working. All three of them have Jay Crowder with a big. All three of them have Joe Ingles. All three of them have Donovan Mitchell. Two of the three have Ricky Rubio. What's the struggle we're having is we have a bunch of lineups that offensively are really bad. Donovan Royce, Joe Ingles with favors and Gobert is the 14th percentile offensively. Our starting lineup is in the 15th percentile offensively. That It really struggles. So our offensive lineup, our our starting lineup every night is just purely based on defense. It just isn't, it, it has to be elite defensively. It just cannot score at a rate good enough any other way. It's plus 1.7 for the season, so it's done it. It's in the 85th percentile in the lineup I just mentioned to you um, of Mitchell O'Neal Ingles is in the 95th percentile. So those lineups are great defensively and are a little better than all of our other lineups, but offensively really scuffle. Somewhere here, Quinn is going to have to figure out 
another positive lineup. So what we have right now, the way I look at it, our main core lineup is Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Crowder, Gobert. That's our starting, our primary five. Some variation of that with Favors and Gobert on the floor is like this just lineup we put out there for 10 minutes a night to get through 10 minutes. It just happens to be the first five minutes of each quarter. Then we're trying with Ingles and Favors and other little pieces of magic to find a way to come up with a different, a secondary lineup that has success. And that's been that Joe-Derek combination. It's good for the team. It's bad for Joe statistically, but it's good for the team. And generally has been plus four for the season when that's on the floor. And there's some there's some good little match lineups in there. Uh, predominantly, you know, the, the time it's happened the most is is with our starters. Now, if you go take Gobert off the floor, you can look at it a little differently. But that's going to be Quinn's next task. Is And this is the next area where the Jazz can improve. Is can the Jazz... Um, find a way to find a lineup. Exum, Corver, Ingles, Crowder, Favors. Ingles, Favors combination that works. I think that's going to be really vital for the Jazz success. So that's kind of my next one in there. And then I, I do think Dante's return, he brings us an aspect of this team we haven't had before. You know, Royce O'Neal is terrific. Will not have to guard Damian Lillard at 30 feet when Dante's available. Uh, and let some guys work to their strengths. All right, let's look at the Warriors. Since DeMarcus Cousins has returned, how good are they? Well, they're the number one offense and the number two defense in the league over the last 10 games. Their free throw rate is up. Their effective field goal percentage, which weighs three-point shooting, is number one in the league. Their defensive effective field goal percentage is number one in the league. They are not defensive rebounding at the same rate. So clearly, with DeMarcus, they're incredible. Eh, Not so fast. The starters have played 100 minutes together. They, with DeMarcus, they're negative. Their offense is great, 115.7, but the defense is a 115.9. So they are a little negative. What like the Warriors to be negative is a big deal, though, frankly. Um, you know, like, it's pretty hard for the Warriors starters. So the, the Dream 5 lineup that has the five All-Stars right now is negative when it's on the floor together. Now, it's pretty small sample size. But it's worth noting. Now, interestingly, when DeMarcus gets on the floor with Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, and Clay Thompson in a bench unit, they're amazing. That group has been amazing. Now, Clay Thompson is on another planet right now. Clay Thompson, over the last five games, is scoring 27 points a game, shooting 62% from the field and 60% from three. But it's worth noting here that the starting key lineup is minus 
Their defense is awful. It's in the 14th percentile. Its offense is great. Well, it's actually pretty good. It's you know you got to put it in Warrior. You take Demarcus Cousins off the floor. So and then with Demarcus on the floor overall, because some of their other lineups, their bench units have been good. They're plus six. So that sounds great. Like well, with Demarcus, they're plus six. So it's working. Um, without Demarcus on the floor, this team was winning the NBA title anyway. And without DeMarcus on the floor, they're plus nine. Their primary lineups are plus 18, plus seven, plus 16, plus 23. Like, they're great, and they defend. So, so far, DeMarcus, despite kind of the the talk, if you dig into it, is not having this outlandish positive impact on them. He's not bad. And frankly, talking to people who've watched them a lot, the comment they're making to me is, hey, He's a shadow of himself and what he was as a player. Uh, Coming off the Achilles, he can't jump. He can't do a lot of things. He's not great in the pick and roll. He's not great in transition, all the things you thought. But they've had Kayvon Looney, Zaza Pachulia, JaVel McGee, Damon Jones play that position. Like, even a limited DeMarcus is better than that. But it's worth noting, at least. Now, Frankly, with Damon Jones, they were minus 8.4 less. You know, when he was on the floor, they were 8.4 points per 100 possessions less than they are regularly. And with DeMarcus on the floor, they're only minus 3 less. Really interesting one on DeMarcus, though. They are not offensive rebounding, or excuse me, defensive rebounding at all when he's on the floor. They're not rebounding. It might be because he can't jump. But that's the impact as of right now that we're seeing from DeMarcus, it, it's an upgrade from what they've had. It does not seem to actually be what everyone's saying. And it still, I think, has a chance to be, pun intended, their Achilles, ten, their Achilles heel. What ways did you come up with to be a slow-the-flow all-star? Love slow-the-flow. Slow-the-flow. Save H2O. Our good friends over at Slow the Flow, wants you to become a water efficiency all-star during this all-star break. The little subtle things you can do to improve our community. What are they? Well, I have talked about it. Personally, for me, it's while I'm playing with my Quip-style toothbrush or my face washer, then I take the time to make sure that I turn off the water. I now use my Google little thing and tell it to set a timer when I get in the shower. See, we're streaky. Right now, there's water coming out of the sky every day. But we still have serious water worry. Even though it's the winter, there's a lot you can do. Slowtheflow.org has plenty of ways for you to conserve water in the home. Shortening that shower time by one less minute every day, you save 1,875 gallons of water a year. I'm setting the timer to four minutes now. If you shower one less minute every day, you save 1,875 gallons. If you switch to an ultra-low flow shower head, you'll save as much as 2.5 gallons every minute you shower. We're all big fans of Utah, so do what you can. Slowtheflow.org. Slow the flow. Save H2O. 
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, Jazz and the Warriors tonight. I mean, they're great. They're 40 and 15. They're rolling. Hopefully, they've all got vacation plans, and they've got to get to the airport really fast after the game. I did a research project a while back, and I cannot remember the outcome of it anymore, but home teams, or I can't remember it actually, maybe one of you remember, that there's a wackiness to this last game before an All-Star break. Now, the Warriors play tomorrow in Portland, so this isn't actually their last game before the All-Star break, so we're getting Warriors full throttle, unless the Warriors are home today packing all day knowing they have to fly to Portland and then get on their All-Star break. So many of them are going to the All-Star game anyway. But we're off a day early. By the way, our TV crew is off already. It's players only tonight, so your choices are players only or lock and boom. That's like the easiest election. We should win that the way Mitt Romney won Utah. All right, let's do Time Machine Tuesday. I... Reach into my little bag of tricks. Ooh, fun one. Night 2007. Let's see what the Jazz were doing in the 2007 2008 season or 2006 2007 season. Heading into All Star break. This is the team that won 51 and 31. Lost to the San Antonio Spurs in the Western Conference Finals after beating the Golden State Warriors in the Andre Karolinko Baron Davis series. Is that really how we remember that? Or do we remember it as the Derek Fisher return series? Let's look at what were we doing on February 12th or thereabouts if All Star Break had happened. All right. This is a team that goes to the Western Conference Finals. All Star Break had not started. We beat Atlanta tonight. 102-76 in a blowout win to win our fifth straight. We'd had a homestand and we're crushing people. We win our sixth straight against Cleveland. We would then proceed to win, go all the way to 43-19 and in March of that year. I was not here yet. I had not come back yet. Uh, and then all of a sudden things fell apart. Lost four in a row, lost five in a row. 
So the Jazz were at their peak that year at 43-19 and 19, and then closed the year 8-12 and 12 before beating the Rockets in Game 7, upending the Warriors who had beat Denver, and then getting crushed by the Spurs. But we were at our peak right about now, February 12th. The Jazz beat the Atlanta Hawks. That is probably a hapless Hawks team. Let's go see who had a good night. 102-76. For the Jazz, that for the Hawks, they started. That wasn't. A, they just didn't have a point guard. Royal Ivy was their point guard. Josh Smith, Marvin Johnson, Marvin Williams, Joe Johnson, Lorenzen, the late Lorenzen Wright. Jazz started Darren Williams and Derek Fisher in the backcourt. Andre Karolinko, Mehmet Okor, and Jaron Collins. Holy smokes! Boozer was out. Right. Um, but we were starting Jaron Collins and Mehmet Okor together. What a different world. We took 13 threes that night, hit six of them. That was a lot for us. Matt Harpering came off the bench. He had 11 points, eight rebounds, two assists that night. Had three of 12 shooting. Girachek hit two threes. Millsap played 16 minutes off the bench, four of six. Rafael Ruja played 10 minutes. Ronnie Brewer got 10 minutes. D. Brown, C.J. Miles came off the bench. No real hero in this one as the, as the Jazz just blasted him. Memo had 19-6. He went 2-3 of three from 3. Derek Fisher had 14. Darren had 7.6 rebounds, 9 assists. This was just a ho-hummer. Up by 9 at the end of 1. Up by 18 at the end of 2. Up by 29 at the end of 3 and shut it down. And then continued the win streak. On the 14th against the Cleveland Cavaliers... In a 99-98 win, LeBron had 23-10-4. Somebody will probably remember something about this game. It was an early LeBron loss. Was it? Did we do something at the buzzer? I wasn't with the team at that point. Darren had 33.6 rebounds and 12 assists that night. Jazz had another good three-point shooting night, 7-15. Same starting lineup. Fisher, two point guards, Fisher and Williams, two centers, Collins and Okor and Karolinko. Millsap played 30. Gearcheck played 24. Off the, we tightened the screws a little bit on the rotation that night against a one-point win over Cleveland. What a different world to start Jaron Collins and Mehmet Okor together. Who's guarding LeBron? Oh, well, they started Anderson Verzow and Drew Gooden. Floor spacing was not at a premium yet. That is Time Machine Tuesday. Hope you had a great day. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for tuning in. Super appreciate you. And when you get in your car, make sure you tell it to play podcast Locked on Jazz. And you can now go to Locked on NBA. Ben Golliver the Washington Post, is on with the guys today. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked on Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back. So that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando. And Locked on Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA. So if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked on Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.